The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We hope you had a great, great resurrection weekend celebrating the greatest event of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. This is Bert, along with Alex McFarlane, and Bert Harper, by the way, I didn't give my last name, but it's a joy of ours to be with you here this time of the day, each day, as we jump into the Word of God. And But Alex, I just, I've got two or three shout-outs to make real quickly before we dive in, by the way, to okay. the book of Jonah. Now, did you get my little drift there? Dive in to the book of Jonah. Uh, <laughs> good one. Good okay. one. My humor sometimes is not got, nobody, one receives it but me. But anyway, we're going to dive in. But I do want to share this. Uh, this past Sunday, I was at Smithville Baptist Church here in northeast Mississippi and uh, got to preach on Easter Sunday. Just loved being there. And so many of their members came up to me and expressed their gratitude, enjoyment of exploring the word. Uh, one lady, first name Ginger, she said during the pandemic, she started, you know, looking at listening to the radio and discovered exploring the word. And she just loves it. And Alex, uh, they appreciate you. And uh, one one of the guys said, I've noticed you, you like to give those real difficult questions passing off to Alex. And I said, you bet. I get the easy ones, and Alex gets the hard ones. So uh, that's our working agreement, I told no. him. So anyway, but it was a joy to be there, and they expressed their gratitude and love for you and for exploring the Word. And I just wanted to share that with you and with other listeners from all over the United States that, that you've got friends in our great big Bible study of the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope everybody had a blessed Easter. And isn't it a joy to preach on Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate, I mean, the greatest reality that is the greatest proof of the Christian faith is that our Savior conquered the grave. Jesus is alive. And so uh, I trust you had just a really, really good Easter. I know Angie and I did, Bert. And hey, I want to say thanks to everybody that does listen, and it means so much to us, and we, we just care about each and every one of you. Over the weekend, Bert, I was working on our book, The Finishing Touches, uh, and it might seem strange that a book coming out in September, we've actually been working on it since last summer, but it just between the writing and the proofreading and the fact-checking and just spell-checking and writing the introduction and the words on the, the cover, it, it's a long process. But Bert, I was going over so many of our notes and questions that we, you know, answer a lot. And I was thinking about how I know so much of the writing that you've done and the research and what I've done. And I really think the Holy Spirit is in this thing, how you and I get to uh, sort of uh, know what the other is going to say. And all the people listening, we really appreciate it. And we give God the praise. We just give God the glory. But this fall, when we uh, roll out this book of the top 100 questions from the first 10 years of Exploring the Word, you know, it's just been a joy to be a part of this. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do through the years ahead as well. 
I'm with you. And matter of fact, three or four of the people I was talking to uh, said, you know, they could not wait for the book. They were ready to get it. And so we're excited about that. And we are excited because it's one reason we're excited. Jesus Christ. And he is the reason. He is the centerpiece. He is everything. And on exploring the word, uh, we've got several goals. But I can tell you the main goal of Alex and Bert is to make much of Jesus Christ. Uh, I was taught it at Blue Mountain College. Bert, open the scriptures and make a beeline for Jesus. Because on every page, you will find him. And it's his story. So we make exploring the word uh, primary. And even in the book of Jonah, you're going to be excited. Matter of fact, Alex, uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 through 41, he validates Jonah as the prophet of God. And he is the only prophet that Jesus, uh, you know, brought up in such a manner. Now, he, he used scriptures and other things in his ministry, but Jonah was a primary example of of the ministry he would have of redeeming our souls from hell. That is an awesome. That's that's Jonah. So Jonah has the verification of Jesus. Now, I know we'll present other reasons why we know it's real, even the big fish. We'll know we know it's real, but listen, if Jesus verified it, I don't need another reason. What about you, Alex? Okay, uh, we're having some connection problems, just to be honest with you. And so Alex will be rebooting and connecting again. But, you know, looking at the book of Jonah, you find it that he is not just mentioned in this book. We find Jonah mentioned over in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, when it says he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, and the prophet who was from gath Hefer. And, and so this is the man, this is the same Jonah, because when you come to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it tells you who he's the son of, Amittai. And so the book of Jonah is on firm footing concerning its uh, validity, its accuracy, and everything about it. So we want you to know that you can trust the book of Jonah. And we're also, right after we get through the book of Jonah, we're going to jump into the book of Nahum, and some people call it Nahum, and Nahum, uh, uh, Devin, our producer, and I, we've discussed it, him being from Michigan and Ohio up in that way, and me from the Deep South. You know it was going to be uh, pronounced differently, and I'd give him credit for saying it properly correctly. But we're going to be looking at these two books. They're short books, but each one of them are connected to Nineveh. Now, Jonah ends up having a good result. And, and Alex, I've shared this real quickly and make sure you know, in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, Jonah is referred to. That brings validity to him. But the biggest validity that we know Jonah, the real person, but also what is reported in the book of Jonah is from Matthew 12, 39 through 41, where Jesus referenced him. That Amen. is enough. I know you're in apologetics, so you go through different avenues of saying, you know, we know that the book of Jonah is real because of one, two, three, four, five, or six reasons. But honestly, when you get down to it, if Jesus referred to it, he made a point of saying that the person was real and what he did was real. That's good enough for all of us, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, it really is. And the fact that Jesus, who rose from the dead, treated the book of Jonah as historical, 
Well, that's all the verification we really need. And uh, I reconnected this computer. Is is the audio smooth? You're doing a good, bit? man. Uh, Devin is giving you a thumbs up, so it well, must be real good. Hey, we'll this. Uh, let me just share with you one of the good things about the pandemic was Alex was at home in his own uh, <laughs> home with the own Comrex and the good yes. line. Uh, but when he travels, we talk about it: the adventures of Alex connections. And so we, and I bring this up, be praying because Alex is back on the road and we want yes. you to call him. Uh, go to, is it Alex at alexmcfarland.com? And exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you uh, a week from Tuesday, I will be in Mansfield, Ohio with uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship. And if you Google it there, we're going to have a wonderful evening together. Um, there are different places around there, Mansfield, Ohio and Knox, but if you Google Child Evangelism Fellowship, I'll be there on Tuesday, April 13. But yeah, you know, traveling, which is what enables me to meet so many thousands of the AFR listeners every year and teach apologetics, it's great, but it does present some challenges sometimes. But, you know, Bert, many a preacher has been uh, admonished not to be a Jonah because when you're running from the Lord or... or uh, avoiding the call of God, you might not end up in the belly of a fish, but you might end up in some tight places. And haven't you heard, you know, many a many a minister or a Christian talk about, you know, trying to run from something God was telling them to do, and God lovingly but firmly sometimes has to reprimand the people that He loves most and wants to use the most. Yeah, the Book of Hebrews saying, "Whom He loves, He chastens," and. The one of the key words, you know, I'm looking for the key words and the repeated phrases in any book or yes, chapter. Yes. But one of them is prepared. Uh, the things that God had already prepared for Jonah's rebellion and then his reconnection and uh, him doing what God wanted to, and then even his complaining about what God did. He prepared a, a storm, a, a ship. He prepared a, a storm. He prepared a fish. He prepared prepared a vine, he prepared a wind. And and so God redemptively disciplines us. Now get that word. Though that doesn't sound it sounds like kind of like a oxymoron, Alex. Redemptively, you know, chastens well, us, yeah. disciplines us. But it is redemptive, isn't it? Well it is. And you know, the Lord always acts redemptively and the Bible says that we should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Jonah does that, and let me give a little bit of backstory on what's going on here. The Assyrians had invaded Israel, and so obviously, you know, one of their perennial enemies in the Old Testament, and so God tells Jonah to allow the Assyrians an opportunity to repent before he judges them. Now, Jonah, you know, being a, a prophet of Israel, he, he doesn't have a lot of compassion on the Assyrians, does he? <laughs> Listen, his patriotism for his country uh, ruled in his life more than the redemptive uh, characteristic of God, Alex. And I, th I think all of us deal with that to an extent. I think Jonah's a picture of a lot of us. And, and let's remember while, hey, I, I'm as patriotic as I think a person could be. I love this nation. I salute the flag. And I get a tear in my eye when they sing the uh you know the national anthem but remember even those that that hate america 
We need to love them and pray for their salvation. Uh, let me read a little bit of this. I know we're coming up on a break in a minute, but it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. Now let's talk about verse 2 for just a minute. Uh, the wickedness of Nineveh had come before God's attention. Let me say this. The Lord sees and the Lord knows, doesn't he, Bert? He does. Now, this is a Gentile nation. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times they say, well, is America is not Israel. Some people think the church is Israel. No, Israel is Israel. The church is the church. America Amen. is America. And you better leave it that way. And when you start cross-pollinating, you're going to have some difficulty uh, understanding it all, but God notices these countries, these Gentile countries. If you don't believe that, read the book of Amos. Amos is a contemporary close to Jonah, not just a little bit ahead of him. And, and Amos, man, he makes a circle all around Israel concerning the nations that surround them and what God expects of them, Alex. So there's mm -hmm. some expectation here. But God's missionary, Jonah, is a missionary that was sent to Nineveh to tell them, get right with God and do it now. He was reluctant to do so. Yeah, and I want to say this, and folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word if you're just tuning in. Before evangelism and revival came to Nineveh, reprimand and judgment and call came to the man of God. Wow. Now, before there's church growth, there's got to be church health. You're listening to Exploring the Word. This is Bert and Alex. We're in the book of Jonah. So if it's where you can, uh, get a Bible, join us, and look at this Bible study of chapter 1. I think it will really bless your heart. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Isabel Guzman, Administrator of the Small Business Administration. Her agency provides support to small businesses and entrepreneurs in this country. Proverbs 22:29 reminds us of the importance of doing good work. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Isabel Guzman as she helps support small businesses in this country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says problems in your marriage are a lot like problems with your plumbing and ought to be dealt with in much the same way. He explains as we spend two minutes with Tony. See, what happens in marriage is this. It's like a backup in a sink. You know, when your sink backs up because there's a lot of junk in there. There's a lot of stuff in there that can go hidden for a while till it builds up. Then when it builds up, it backs up. And husbands get ticked off because all this junk starts backing up. I didn't know you had that dirt over there. I didn't know you had this clog over there. It was there all the time. It just hadn't backed up yet. But now it starts backing up and all of a sudden the sink gets full of this dirt, this grind. 
You don't say I'm going to leave you, kitchen, because you backed up on me. I'm never going to have anything to do with you again, sink. You call the plumber. When junk backs up, you don't quit. You bring in a pro. Mr. You the pro. <laughs> and when your wife backs up, when her history backs up, when the pressure at work backs up, when circumstances back up, you're not to leave. You are her sanctifier. Why? So that you can cleanse her. Things from her past, things from her history. Maybe she was abused by her father. Maybe she was raised around a domineering mother. That didn't disappear just because you came on the scene. You are the sanctifier. Learn more about how God calls men to serve their families and how fulfilling it is when they do. Get a copy of Dr. Evans' best-selling book, Kingdom Man. It's available at TonyEvans.org, along with study guides, leader's guides, and everything you need to promote God's view of manhood in your home or church. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. American Family Radio. It's a new horizon, and I'm Charles Spurgeon, whom we love, we often quote, he said, if you're angry or rebellious, you're more like Jonah than Jesus. And with that quote, we welcome you back to Exploring the Word, Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. So glad you're with us. Brand new week, and I hope you had a good Easter as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, which really does have a tie to the, the book of Jonah. But Jonah was a man with a call on his life. We're in chapter 1. And God saw the sin of Nineveh, but God is a God of compassion. And even though this was a Gentile nation, God cared about the state of their soul. And so their wickedness has come up before me. Bert, um, whenever I see the word wickedness, I don't know, I think about that. That word, that's a powerful word. I mean, sin is not just a, a bad habit or it's not just a personality quirk. Um, in the eyes of a holy God, sin is wickedness. And uh, maybe we, like Jonah, need to kind of re-remind ourselves of the, the dark, the dark uh, power of sin because it's much more serious than I think people give it um, credit for sometimes. Do, do you agree? I agree. And when you think of all the words that are used for that evil, uh, transgressors, uh, sin, wickedness, so many more, uh, abominations, uh, lasciviousness and all of them. Alex, sin is is like an octopus that has so many tentacles going out, and each one of them is to is to cause harm, death. Again, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and and mm-hmm. and that is it. And it's the wickedness has come up before me. Uh, it rises up before God. When I saw that, it also reminded me of the children of Israel in in Egypt. Alex, you know mm-hmm. you were telling everybody to watch the Ten Commandments. Well, guess what? Oh, yes. I, yeah. I watched it again. It had been a while since I'd seen it, so I got to watch it again. And again, it too. was the wickedness of of the Egyptians and how they treated the, 
how they treated the Hebrews, how, how they were living their lives, and the gods that they, they so sorely worshipped. And it came up before God. This wickedness of Nineveh. Notice this is a country. It is a city, the main city of Assyria. And it has come up before me. God takes notices of good and the bad. Remember his scripture says he goes to and fro through all the earth looking for that person that is has faith toward him that he may do good unto him. Alex, you see, God's desire is to do good, to do not do us harm. But when the wickedness is so, uh, uh, I, I'd say, abundantly heavy that that it God does not ignore it. He doesn't wink at it anymore. Well, exactly. And, you know, folks, we pray for God to have mercy on the United States of America. I mean, just like God was going to have mercy on Nineveh, um, I don't know all the sins of the Ninevites. I know they were idolaters, and we're going to get to that a little bit uh, later. But uh, there's plenty of sin in America. And, you know, it's interesting. Verse 3 says, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. So he's got a call from God, and yet he's going to run for it. Now notice this. Before God shows grace on the sinful Ninevites, God has to show grace to the messenger he's called to go win them to salvation. Isn't that something? It is. Now does verse 3, does it start out with, but Jonah arose? Yes. Okay, that is a very important conjunction because you'll see it repeated again. I'm I'm looking at it. Notice what it Mm -hmm. says in verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee. Verse 4, but the Lord sent a great wind. And then in the middle of verse 5, but Jonah went down. In other words, here is God working with Jonah to jump. And it's really for Jonah's benefit, and, and he's still rebelling against it. Obedience to God may not be uh, easy. Obedience to God may be difficult, but it is good and it is right. And here's Jonah, as you said, that Spurgeon said, in rebellion and anger against God. So, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus after God said, do something. Alex, that yes. puts you on shaky ground for as your, uh, you know, what God desires you to do. The relationship, yes, it's strong. But that fellowship sure is cut in two, isn't it? Well, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, spiritualize this too much. We, we preachers can uh, sometimes put too much into words. But I think in verse 3, there's, it's worth talking about. Tarsus was a big city. And maybe Jonah felt like he could get lost in the crowd of a big Phoenician city. Um, many preachers have pointed out, it says he went down to Joppa to a ship going to Tarsus. He went down to it. When you're running from God, the way is always down. It is. Yeah. He went down to to Joppa. He went down in the ship and he went down in the sea. Uh. And and so he gets on the ship and, you know, I, I picture a man, he goes down to the docks and it's like, I don't care where you're going. I just want to get away from here. You know, but it says he gets he goes down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare. Let me say it's always costly when you're going to run from God. When you're going to sin and turn away from the Lord, there's always a price to pay, isn't it? And the fare he's going to pay is more than he realizes. Am I right, Bert? You are right on, Alex. And again, uh, he went down into it. 
to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Notice how that is repeated. He wanted to get away from the presence. And we find out later, he shared with them, the, the sailors that's going to be caught on this ship in the storm, he had already mm-hmm. shared with them, I'm running away. I'm getting from the presence of the yes. Lord. He didn't want to serve the God who would redeem a people. He was angry at them. Uh, he was fearful of them. And and so here, and I, I, I tried to do some, commentary work on Tarshish, Joppa, and Nineveh. Tarshish mm-hmm. was as about as far as you could go on a ship. You can't, he yeah. was trying to get as far away as he could. That I mean, yeah. you know, have you noticed that about people? A lot of times, uh, you know, when God's told them to do it, they go in the completely opposite direction for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, when, you're, when God is, is putting you under conviction, And you know God is calling you. And there may be somebody now, Bert, there might even be somebody listening to the show right now, and you have held God far away at arm's length for a long time. Today is your day to come back to Jesus. And the Lord loves you, friend. It doesn't matter how how many years you've run from God. And maybe in a few minutes there's somebody listening, and you need to call, and you need prayer. And we would love to pray with you, and we will. But I wish I could say it for the next 24 hours uninterrupted. If you turn to Jesus, he will receive you. You might have done what you think are just such bad sins. Maybe God doesn't even love you anymore. No, he does. I assure you, he does. And even getting into the the belly of the great fish and just uh, besides, you know, nearly losing his life, just the embarrassment of being on a ship. I mean, here's a man of God and the captain, verse 6 and 7, the captain and crew, uh, and you know, there's all been all these jokes about, you know, a, a sailor. Sailors aren't always known to be the most pious of people, and yet it takes the captain and the sailors to say, man of God, you're jeopardizing all of our lives. You know, repent. Uh, you know, I mean... This is when the preacher has to get preached at by the captain and the sailors. But I want to say to everybody listening, um, today your running can stop. Running from God will wear you out, won't it, Bert? It will. Now, I want to ask you, with that in mind, I'm I'm staying on target, so I'm not going to keep it long. I'm going to throw it back to you. Do you think his theology was all messed up, thinking he could get away from the presence of God? Those of you who are listening... And you know God is speaking to you about salvation. He's speaking to you about discipleship. He's, he's speaking to your heart about service, even the possibility of mission work, uh, pastoring, whatever. You're not going to get away from the presence of God. Do you think Jonah's theology was a little bit limited, thinking he could do that, Alex? Well, you know, having been a pious Jew and he had been to the temple, no doubt he had heard Psalm 139, if, if I ascend up to, into heaven, thou art there. If I make my, my bed in hell, or literally in the, the grave, thou art there. He knew had to know about the omnipresence of God. And everybody knows that. Do you know, it, it's amazing. I've um, shared the gospel with people, you know, total strangers. Cause, and, and I always tell you, have, have a gospel booklet in the car. Just Peace with God by Billy Graham or, you know, the Four Spiritual Laws by Bill Bright. I mean, I always have a tract. And, Bert, there have been times that I've shared a little gospel booklet with a total stranger, and I've had men look at me and they'd go, how'd you know? Um, I've, I've 
left my family. I've gone after this or that. I've, you know, crawled up in a bottle and been drunk for years, and I've been running from God. How did you know? And I said, look, I don't know, but I'm trying to follow the Holy Spirit here, and and don't run from God. There, there's no weariness like the weariness of a person trying to run from the Lord. So to everybody listening, let this be the day. Easter Monday, yesterday, Resurrection Day. You can have a resurrection today and let the living Jesus come into your life and like Jonah, run no more. But, you know, you mentioned, but Jonah arose, but Jonah. Well, verse 4 says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea and the ship was about to be broken up. And the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his, his God. <clears throat> Verse 5, they're, they're crying out to random gods, and the trouble is because there's a rebellious man who follows the true God, but he's not really obeying him. And so we've got all sorts of trouble by verse 5, don't we? We do, and even through the cargo over, the reason for them going on this trip to lighten the load, uh, but Jonah had gone down, there we have it again, into the lowest part of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. Now, Alex, again, there's a lot here, and uh, we're not going to rush through Jonah. You can preach it real quick and go through it, but does this remind you of the time that Jesus was uh, yes. in the ship, the boat, and he was sleeping while the storm? There's two types of sleep like that. The sleep of rebellion, just because you can lay down your head at night and sleep, does not mean you're automatically right with God. And and sometimes you can because Jesus was right with the Lord. He was exhausted serving the Lord, and the sleep comes. But there's this sleep that comes from the rest in God, and then there's this sleep that comes from the rebellion of God. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Satan is not wanting him to be restless. Satan is not wanting him to be questioning. He's wanting him to get away he, because he's running from God. Satan will try to smooth the path of the individual who is running from God, Alex. He'll try to make it look easy. He, he, he'll try to make it one that is, is not, uh, not one that's garnered with, with difficulty and hardship. And so just because things are going right with you right now and you know you're against God, it doesn't mean the end of the road is going to be uh, roses and, and everything good. It's probably going to be contrary. So wake up. Yes. Wake up. Isn't that what they told uh, Jonah to do? Wake up. Arise. Get out of your sleep. It, well, yeah, and you know it's interesting. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Jesus is the second Adam well, in a way, we could say Jesus was the second Jonah. Okay, you know, the first Adam fell. The second Adam uh, was righteous, had no sin nature. Well, just as Jonah did survive the uh, belly of the fish, Jesus would emerge alive from the belly of the earth. But, you know, there in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was sleeping while the boat was in a storm. Well, Jonah is sleeping while the boat he is on is in a storm. And they say, you know, rise up, sleeper. Um, and, and really the idea, we know what sleep is, obviously, but it's one who is in a stupor. And you know what's interesting is that the, the wording there can also mean somebody who's not only in a, a psychological stupor, but somebody who's deaf. It means stopped up. 
Jonah's ears, in a way, were stopped up, not listening to God. The captain comes and says, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Because apparently, they're be- by verse 6, they're beginning to discover that the gods on which they were calling uh, weren't listening, weren't because they weren't gods. They said, the men said one to another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. Oh, that was an accident, I'm sure, Alex. Well, (laughs) hey, let me me say this. Casting lots and divination, uh, that's wrong and there's no power in it. But I I think the good Lord allowed the the lot or the straw. I don't know if they drew strews, straws or a stick, but God made sure that those sailors realized it was Jonah. And I've, I wonder if, imagine they're on the, the deck of a boat that's rocking to and fro, and everybody on the boat realizes that all of this storm and this endangerment of everybody is Jonah's fault. Um, I have to believe in verse 7 Heavy conviction is beginning to come over our rogue prophet here. I agree with you and fully. Notice what it says. And they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? Notice what is, for whose. In other words, for what one person is causing all of us to suffer. Alex, I just got to say a word. Men, your families, stay with them. Fathers deserting their position, their their responsibilities is causing so much damage to the family, to our society, to our nation. I I believe with all my heart, if fathers, husbands would respond to God, Alex, there'd be a turnaround. That would be the revival we're looking for. Amen. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word. Here's the phone number, 888-589-8840-888. 589-8840. We'd love to hear from you when we come back. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As we are witnessing a crisis on our southern border with a presidential administration that seems unwilling to protect our national sovereignty, it may be helpful to consider the perspective of those in South and Central America. El Salvador President Nayib Bukele said that over one-third of the Salvadoran population is now living in the United States. He explained further that this immigration crisis is devastating for both America and El Salvador. Finally, 
he concluded that it's immoral for his country to be unable to meet the needs of its citizens and for America to incentivize illegal immigration. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Spring share 2021 is coming April 13th through 15th. We love it. We love it. We love it. Romans 15, 13 tells us because of our trust in God, we can face the world with confident hope. AFR has been bolstering my courage and my strength and my faith for years. Uh, each host seems to bring a different, their own story and their own positive uh, influences into my Christian life and walk. By the grace of God and with your help, AFR is reaching our nation in the name of Jesus. I really glean a lot of necessary information from AFR about ways to pray for government officials. I just want to say thanks. Stand with us and help remind the nation that God is our confident hope during our three-day Spring share April 13th through 15th. And thanks for supporting American Family Radio. Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn And your grace rings out so deep It makes my resistance seem so thin So hold me Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We've got lines open, and that number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. But I, I just want to say this real quickly about the book of Jonah that we're going through. Invite others to join us. It, it's going to be a great evangelistic missional. Matter of fact, the book of Jonah shows God's heart for the nations, and if, if his heart for the Assyrians was there, Alex. I'm not sure there's any nation so horrible that God would not redeem and love them as well. I, I find that amazing. God's Amen. heart for the nations is all real throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, you know? Well, you know, one of the questions we've gotten sometimes is that is the Old Testament relevant, or maybe it was just about the Jewish people of old, and how is the Old Testament, you know, pertaining to the church today? Well, case in point, I mean, for one thing, I think you could get a lot of uh, insights about Christian living from the book of Jonah. But Jonah is a missional book. It's Amen. a revival book. It's a book of God's redemption and mercy for an Old Testament nation other than Israel. Amen. So, um, it, like all of Scripture, you know, the Bible says all Scripture is profitable and indeed, that includes the Old Testament. It does. Well, let's go to the phone lines. And the first person today is in Tennessee. And let's go. Let me see who we're going to. We're going to Jacqueline. Yeah. Yeah, there we are. Jacqueline, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, Bert and Alex. I love you guys, man of God. Well, thank well, you, Jacqueline. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Yes, I listen all the time. I have a question for you. Reading the Bible sometimes can be a little challenging as far as names in the Bible. And I got a question. If you pronounce a name in the Bible, you don't pronounce it right. You know, God said don't take or add to his word. 
So how do you think God would look at that? Sometimes I go back and I repent, you know, Lord, forgive me, I can't pronounce this word right, you know, names and stuff like that in the Bible. Well, listen, you're talking to the king of mispronunciation, Bert. I Listen, when it comes to, you know, everybody talks about announcing in words, I struggle with that, Jacqueline, and I'm with you. I have it difficulty, and I have to read it publicly. It really is difficult for me. But God knows your heart, okay? And these, every name that's in the Bible, even in the book of uh, Nehemiah, where he gave all the assignments to those people, all the genealogies that you find in Nehemiah and Ezra, Alex, every one of those people are important. But uh, what about pronouncing their name? Uh, you do your best. You do the best you can, and go on, don't you? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about being pure in heart. You know, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, 8. And 1 Thessalonians 3, 13 talks about God recognizing a pure heart. You know, and listen, I I don't minimize the importance of God's Word. I want to applaud the caller for being so conscientious to care about the Word of God. But there, there are some names and, frankly, some words that we just really don't even exactly know how they're to be pronounced. And so, um, you know, right after Jonah, there's Micah. The word of the Lord came to Micah of M-O-R-E-S-H-E-T-H, Morasheth, I'm assuming. And, you know, if we, if we pronounce it incorrectly, though we were attempting to be very careful and meticulous— I think God understands the purity of our heart, that we weren't intentionally trying to distort the Word of God just with our, our limited language. We we tried our best, but maybe didn't get it exactly correct. correct. Jacqueline, thank you for your heart. We Man, that just thrills my heart to know someone that conscientious. Lord, uh, may I have that kind of spirit as well. I pray I will. Uh, we're going to Arkansas and talk to Kevin next. Kevin, welcome to Exploring the Word. What's your question for us today? Greetings. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. How do you know the book of Jonah is a true story? Well, I'm just going to give the simple answer. Alex, I've got several here. I had to write them down. Alex has most of them already stored in his mind. But listen, that Jesus would refer to it in, in Matthew 12, 39 and 41 is sufficient and then also he's referred to in second kings fourteen twenty five as the prophet and uh so there is i would say there's contextual evidence that it is real alex take it away for kevin well, well thanks yeah and i would agree with bert i mean the fact that jesus referenced it and and took it as being historical is compelling enough but you know nineveh is a real city nineveh is a historical city but also, I remember when I was in graduate school, we read about archaeologists that had excavated Nineveh, and within a garbage dump outside of the city of Nineveh, they had found this big burn pile, and there were all sorts of little statues and fetishes, uh, little you know, kind of idle things that had been burned up. And what's interesting is one of the things that I believe this is one of those examples of how archaeology has validated the Bible is that there was apparently a religious, I'll never forget, Bert, I was reading a kind of a secular history book that talked about the Ninevites repenting, 
and you know it says that they burned up their idols and this is in chapter 3 and they put sackcloth on themselves and they you know destroyed their idols and all that stuff and when archaeologists you know found uh, in the trash you know burned and partially burned uh, occultic relics this one particular book I was reading said apparently there was a radical sociological change and it seems like abruptly they cleaned out and threw away a lot of these idols and you know what was the cause of this radical sociological you know change we don't exactly know this book said my point being uh, we take it as historical because you know really uh, what what this book is is conveying to us seems to be validated by what the ruins of Nineveh reveal. Archaeologists have continued to prove the Bible's reality uh, of the individuals. Recently, they found some information about David and his kingdom. And again, they found some new fragments. And it is astonishing what is being discovered. And again, archaeology and the Bible do prove that Jonah was a real person in a real life event. So, and and I'll tell you one other thing that um, it, it would be a similar thing. The, you know, the the ruins of Pompeii. It's interesting how a lot of what we know about the the explosion at Mount Vesuvius and Pompeii had come down through written history, and some of it was kind of fantastical, and it was thought to maybe be embellished. Well, you know. In the last 100, 150 years, they have excavated more and more of Pompeii. And, and let me say this, not only the eruption and the burial uh, in ash, but a lot of the perverseness of the sin of Pompeii. Pompeii is not a biblical city, but um, you know what they excavated and found at Pompeii really did uh, validate a lot of the historical tradition surrounding that and I think it's the same way with Nineveh what the ruins of Nineveh unveiled really did harmonize exactly with what the biblical account of their revival stated thank you Kevin thank you for playing devil's advocate every once in a while it's awesome thank you appreciate it brother let's go to Texas and talk to Misty Misty welcome to exploring the word hi thank you both for all you do um, my question is, will our jobs in heaven be based on the good works we do for Christ on earth, and do the crowns in heaven correlate with our jobs? <laughs> one, one job does. There is a special crown for pastors. Now, who are the pastors? I believe it doesn't necessarily mean the mega churches, the real small. Uh, sometimes I know, and you may disagree with this, Alex, like a, a Sunday school teacher, they kind of the pastor of their own uh, little group there, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, being faithful, they get, now, how that would convey into heaven, I don't think we'll teach. I think we're going to be sitting under the teacher, Master Jesus. There's crowns that we get. Alex, uh, I don't know if they'll correlate with the jobs we'll do in heaven or not. Uh, I've got my request in. I'm sending my resume ahead of time. I want to be in the choir because they'd never let me in the choir down here. Now, that's a joke, <laughs> y'all. But uh, I would love to sing when I get to heaven, and so, so nobody wouldn't cover their ears when they heard me. 
But we, what's the jobs in heaven? What's Matter of fact, Dr. Jeffries, uh, uh, who has a radio program here on AFR, he's done quite a bit of research on that, and so Randy Alcorn in heaven. So there's a lot of information there about even jobs in heaven, Alex. Well, you know, Bert, you've got a great sermon, and, and you've allowed us to teach through it on the show before uh, about the different crowns in heaven. And, you know, heaven is going to be so, so glorious. One thing I know, regardless of what our specific assignments are and what we do in heaven, it'll be unencumbered by the curse. Now, everything we've ever done down here in this world, we've been under the fall and under the curse and under, you know, what's called the law of entropy. And, you know, everything is winding down. Imagine being in heaven, no more tears, no more curse, no more pain, no more sickness, no more fear, no more sin, greed, uh, just any of those things. Um, I remember reading a, a Pat Robertson book about what we might do in heaven. I, I probably read this book 30 years ago, and he was talking about the fact that, for one thing, we will, uh, as the catechism says, we will experience God and enjoy God forever, but maybe we'll be given things like somebody will have oversight over an entire planet or solar systems or whatever, uh, and obviously we will know the Word of God, we'll worship the Lord, but um, I, Habermas says this, Bert, and I know we got to move on, but look, in large measure, what you do here as a Christian you're determining your capacity to enjoy heaven. Amen. That's going to be glorious. Yeah. But salvation is by Jesus alone. It's that free gift we receive. But then we grow. We, we serve the Lord. And while salvation is a free gift, sanctification and service is something that requires commitment and work. And the experience of heaven uh, that you'll have in large measure, is going to be tied to the way that you served and obeyed Christ down here, isn't it? It is. You're preaching it, brother, exactly. And work is a privilege, and work is not part oh, of the goodness. curse. It is It is one of the blessings of the Garden of Eden. Uh, the other was that being in difficulty with weeds and with insects and everything. That's what made it difficulty, not the work. And the other thing I'd say, martyrs. Notice what, read about martyrs in the Bible, and you'll find out rewards. Uh, and Alex, what you just said, the capacity to enjoy him, I believe with all my heart those martyrs that have given their life and just said, yes, Christ and Christ alone, and they're dying, I believe they, their capacity is going to be beyond measure. So Amen. serve God, serve him well, serve him now. Let's go to Georgia. Let me see. Yeah, let's go to Georgia and talk to Andy. Andy, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Uh, first, first of all, I want to ask you something real quick to get y'all on my mind frame, because, you know, in First Corinthians chapter 1, it says God uses the weak things of the world to found the mighty, you know what I mean? They're simple. Because I, I got a, a simple mind, and uh, one of y'all, and I can't keep, it's hard for me to put names with voices. It's hard enough to put names and faces, but one of you said something about compared Jesus and Jonah. I don't see no good comparison there because, you know, Jesus, except for they were both sent on a mission, Jesus 100% perfectly fulfilled it. But Jonah, on the hand, you could probably compare him more to me because, you know, I've been in the belly well. I've got a lot of stupid <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? Amen. Uh, and and, and had, plenty, had 
have plenty of time to read, study the word. Okay, and I, and I got to have enough. And it goes back to my simple mind. It's so simple. You know, my kids showed me a lot of stuff out here, and, and, and there's a lot of attack on the family structure, the Christian family structure, and it, it's not. It's not no coincidence. Just like it ain't no coincidence, God used His Son as an example of His love for us. And uh, okay, Andy, Amen. Hey, let me just say the comparison only goes so far. Uh, don't compare Jonah and Jesus all the way. They were sent on a mission. Jesus fulfilled his, not reluctantly, but he did it readily. Jonah, on the other hand, did finally fulfill it reluctantly against rebellion. But the comparison is the greater about the three days and three nights. That's the greatest comparison, isn't it, Alex? Well, it really is. And, hey, brother, thanks for listening. You, you know, sometimes we compare, say, Jesus and Joseph in the book of Genesis, and those are positive comparisons. And then there are other people we do at what we call a negative contrast, like Adam and Jesus. So there's a lot of ways that we would compare Jesus with, say, King David or, or even Solomon or, or Samuel or Joseph. But in the case of Adam or Jonah, it would be a negative contrast. Like the first Adam fell, Jesus, the second Adam, stood righteously. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 does this in 45 and following, where Paul says, you know, as in the first Adam all die, in the second Adam, Jesus, all will be made alive. Well, some of the negative contrasts. Jesus did it himself in Matthew 12, 40. He said, as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. And as Jonah failed at his mission, Jesus succeeded in his mission. So I wouldn't compare them as similar, but I would contrast them as dissimilar, Bert. That is exactly right. And Andy, thank you. Listen, I just want to tell you, that describes, Bert is kind of simple-minded as well, and uh, that's the reason I relate to so many people. I tell them I'm qualified because it says Jesus has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Alex, uh, listen, I'll, I'll be a fool for Christ any day, brother. Amen. Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. We're so honored you've been listening. Tune in again tomorrow. Keep on reading in Jonah chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 and following, and we'll pick it up again tomorrow. Hey, tell somebody about Exploring the Word and the American Family Radio Network. Tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.